welcome to episode 72 of the Jay Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, Jay Bunny. Well, everybody joining me today on the show is Ryan Shuck, the uh, former guitarist for the bands Orgy and Dead by Sunrise, also the guitarist and vocalist for the band Julian Kay, and vocalist for the band Edema. It was great to have Ryan on the show. We met back in April at the dark side of the con and talked about having him on the show. And it just uh, it took a while to get there, but uh, it was it was such a great conversation uh, that I really think that you guys are going to enjoy. So without further ado, here's Ryan. What's up, everybody? It is Jay Bunny. I am once again here at home on Skype. It's a little early in the day, and I have work later, so I'm not drinking any beer from Ghost Talk Brewery in Clifton, New Jersey. But you should still check out their shit because it's awesome. Uh, joining me today is Ryan Shuck from a whole bunch of bands that we'll go over over the course of the interview. How's it going, Ryan? Good man, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm uh not not really caring for the the heat. I know it's summer and I know that that's it comes with the territory, but I just feel like it's been hotter lately and it's fucking annoying. Yeah, I was just gonna ask you, how's that heat wave? Yeah, yeah, not not uh, not fun. Charlie was gonna try and join us today, but they're out and out outdoors in PA for for two weeks, oh. and I can't imagine I can't imagine being outside that long. Yeah. Oh my God. It was so hard out there um, on tour. I mean, the, the heat and the humidity was, was just off the charts. I mean, it was just incredible. I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was def- definitely a little worse than I remembered it, but I know we're going through an unprecedented you know, heat wave and, and I know that's affecting most of the country. Even here in uh, LA, I live right by the beach and it's pretty perfect. But uh, we are experiencing higher humidity than I've ever experienced here. I mean, yesterday was 80% humidity. Um, the, the good news is that it was only about 80 degrees. So, you know, that's. Yeah, and I'm sure it doesn't like I know when you guys we just saw you play at, uh, at Dingbats with Edema. And uh, my understanding is the day before that show, their AC broke. So it was pretty brutal in there for that show. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is hard, you know, with those clubs, too, that don't have, you know, a proper they don't have a backstage at all. You know, they don't have anywhere for the bands to kind of collect themselves and have just a little bit of respite from the, uh, you know, from the touring, which is essentially being uncomfortable 24 hours a day is touring. So if you can go someplace that, you know, has a, a proper place to sit down and collect yourself and, you know, recover a little bit, it's it's just, you know, really, really awesome. But yeah, when when you go to a place like Dean Bats, it's just just a really really small venue with just a small room with no AC. I mean, holy Moses! I mean, it's absolutely incredibly. It's very difficult for the bands. Yeah. Very. Yeah, no, I I love I love it. on one hand I love that place because it's so like intimate, but at the same time I understand where you're coming from, not from a band standpoint, but like you know even just doing the podcast. Like when I go and do podcasts there uh, with bands that are coming through the area, and you know we've either got to go on their vehicle or in my vehicle or sometimes across the street at the the bar across the street, uh, Dingo's Den. You know just try and find somewhere quiet, and we always end up with like cars driving by or one time we try a couple times i tried to do interviews inside dingbats and like we'd get sound check noise or people walking up trying to talk to the person while i'm interviewing them like it's uh it's a challenge i, I honestly have been you know I, I always try to figure out like should i bring like a like a pop-up easy up you know with like a you know a little roof and some curtains and just set it up outside you know, <laughs> these places because you know it's just like there's just absolutely nowhere to sit down you know, and just take a second. And, yeah. and it's just, that's the hardest part of 
doing small tours is is just when you play these places where there's just there's just nowhere to breathe. You know, you go to some other small venues and they there's we went to another small venue. It was really, really hard as well. But they at least put a curtain up um, so you could sit behind it. Right. right. <laughs> actually, I was actually very thoughtful because, you know, the bands don't you know, once that place fills up to capacity and you have no place to go, it's really, really difficult for the band. Right, because yeah. then everybody can see you, and 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 and, and um, while I'm sure that you don't mind interacting with the fans, you know, at the same time, it's nice to be able to just fucking breathe for a second. You're a lead singer. You can't face talk people who are, you know, five six beers deep for six solid hours. Every right. Time. You know, it's it's the most dangerous thing you can do as a singer. You might have noticed that, like, you know, Jared from Head PE, and his, he's gone. He's not even there. You know what I mean? He's not around. There's no talking to fans. There's nothing, you know, and it's it's basically I think that the people that are that experienced and and and, you know, are maybe more in a headliner position, you know, they are not around, you know, because they have to protect the fact that they have to sing. Right. So we love to talk to everyone, of course. I mean, it's make a big point of spending time with the people that support us. But, yeah, there's it's definitely something I'm really trying to figure out if we, you know, continue to play. You know, we also play big dates, too, so that's a different deal. But if we're going to do, you know, small tours like this because they make sense, uh, I'm definitely trying to figure if there's an REI solution <laughs> to my yeah. my urban camping, you know, trips that we're taking with the band. You know, some way to set up our own separation so that the lead singer can gain a little bit of rest and recovery before and after playing, you know, it's just, it's just an incredible situation. Yeah. I, I know when I had booked an interview with Texas hippie coalition and they had their tour bus thing, it wasn't quite a bus, but you know, they had their vehicle at dingbats, you know, but their singer, they had like dropped him off at a hotel room. Yep. And so I did an interview with the rest of the band and yep. then their singer was back at the hotel until like right up before they were going to play. Yep. It's the smartest thing to do for the singer. It makes you look like an asshole, but you know, you're uh, in most cases, they're not being an asshole. They're trying to to make sure you can do the show. Right, right. But it's it's unfortunately, it's just one of those things where, you know, at at these venues, you know, absolutely. You know, the singer is the one that people make a beeline for. Right. And and I'm not necessarily expecting them to to like have a clue that you can't destroy that guy. You can't get in his face and face talk him and you know, 17 people, you know, talking to you in different directions. And it's, you know, it's never ending. You know, you can't, you know, we can't even walk around the corner of the building. You can't, it's just, it's insanity. (laughs) So it is very good to get the singer the fuck out of there. You know, the guitar players and stuff, you know, it's, I, I, I was the guitar player singer in Orgy, which is a, you know, at the time was an extremely big band. And, um, I could still party and have fun and hang out with people because I, I didn't have to carry the, the, you know, the lead singing. But, you know, I sang 40 percent of the time in that band. And, uh, you know, just just the fact that I had breaks up there made a huge difference. You know, so I think the guitar player, drummer, all that kind of stuff, they can get away with a little bit more. You know, they can drink and have a good time and, you know, hang with everyone and yell at a bar. And But the singer can't do that. Yeah. You, know, you can't yell. You can't. It's 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 a definitely an a, there's a reason why a lot of singers seem a little crazy and and it's because the the job is so physical you have to be really really careful but but it's tempered with the fact that you actually want to like talk to people and hang out and do this stuff but if you do 
you can pay a price that you can't recover from on that tour. And it's extremely uh, defeating to go up there and, and not be able to sing. It's very, it's one of the things that's, it's extremely hard to get over. Right, right. Now you mentioned Orgy, and that was when I first became aware of you, was in 98 when the Blue Monday cover came out, was getting airplay on MTV. And I just wanted to know a bit before we kind of get into Orgy and into all that about, you know, your journey in music to that point. It looks like if, you know, Wikipedia is to be believed, and that has steered me wrong before, uh, but it says that you were in a band called Sex Art with Jonathan Davis from Korn and Dave DeRue from Edema. Yeah, so my Wikipedia is surprisingly accurate. It, it's it's kind of shocking uh so yeah i was in a band my first band was called sex art and it was with jonathan and dave and so you know it's, it's an interesting thing that we've been together for 30 years you know that friendship and obviously the friendship with jonathan you know when he finally left and did corn you know corn didn't really have any songs yet so they played blind which which you know we wrote which jonathan and i wrote and they invited me to come see them play you know, just as friends. And, and I went and saw them play in LA and the, I saw what happened when they play blind. And I was just like, holy shit, this is serious. This is serious music. And uh, we hadn't really had the opportunity yet to see what the weird music we were making in Bakersfield, you know, what it would actually do to a real audience. And, you know, cause we just had our little friend audiences in Bakersfield and, um, it was pretty serious. And, that ended up becoming my first experience with selling millions and millions of albums and owning a piece of that publishing. And then Jonathan came back and signed Orgy to Elementary Records, which was a subdivision of Warner Brothers and Reprise Records. And so he's always been there for me and uh, always been, you know, amazing. And obviously Jonathan's little brother, Marky, was a singer for Edema. And, you know, Jonathan helped, you know, teach Marky and all that kind of stuff back in the day. And that's probably fall, fallen apart quite a bit because Marky's, you know, really not been a great person and hasn't really respected the the art and the fans and the, and the band. And, you know, obviously isn't doing it anymore at all. You know, just doesn't, doesn't seem to care. But, you know, Dave, Jonathan and I, have remained friends for 30 years. Yeah, so I was going to ask like way, way later, but since you mentioned Mark, you know, Adima seems to have a bit of a tumultuous relationship with him where every few years it seems like he's trying to come back. They, they book a show, they book a tour, then all of a sudden he's gone again. You're the singer of Adima now, you're their fifth singer. You know, have they indicated that, you know, if he tries this, to, tries to come back again, that they might give him another shot or is like, is this lineup it? Is this Is this the band at this point? Oh, no, no, there's not a chance. No, no, no. I, I own this. <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's no option for that. No, not at all. I, I tried to put it together with Marky. Um, that's how I ended up accidentally offering uh, or accepting their their kind of plea for some, you know, hey, will you come in and sing for us for a tour? And uh, it just turned out so well that I kept doing it. No, there's no there's no chance. You know, unfortunately, Marky's jumped in, told him that he's going to do it. And then he's he's jumped out, and pulled the plug on too many big tours, on too many good things, and it's damaged the band so badly. Um, you know, these guys will go play. If they get a tour offer, the guys will do it. They'll do it at the drop of a dime, you know, and and you have a situation with Marky where he continually pulls the carpet out from under the band, and all they've wanted is for a singer to have his shit together. You know, I happen to be that guy. You know, the, the multiple singers they've had have not had their shit together. 
you know, and they they haven't had the experience that I've had and they haven't had the vision or the management or the things that I bring to the table. And I, I think that the, 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 the performance of the two singles are evidence, proof that, you know, Amir and I know what the fuck we're doing. You know, they're performing better than any of the singles they've released on major labels with any of the past singers and they're performing on par with the original edema stuff so you know i have all the numbers because i am the record label and uh and it's doing really really well so that for me that was sort of like the indicator of whether or not i should keep doing it or not you know but no i don't think there's a chance in hell these guys would ever do anything with marky again you know most of the fans i think get it the fans that don't get it you know it's just unfortunately you're missing someone that doesn't like you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're missing someone that does not care about whether or not you supported him, you know, and that, you know, I've been in a situation with a singer like that and I, and it pisses me off and I, I want to, I want to fix those situations. I don't want my friends to be in a situation where they're an incredible band. They've worked their entire lives to achieve what they've achieved and they have the carpet pulled out from under them over and over and over by a spoiled brat. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like it. And if I'm going to get involved, I'm going to make it awesome and I'm going to be solid. Right. So we're going to get back to, to the edema stuff shortly, but I wanted to kind of work our way there. Like I said, I just want to throw that one at you because it was, it was, you know, topical with, with what you had mentioned. So with, you know, with orgy, you know, you mentioned you guys were, were on, you know, elementary, you know, Korn's label. And, and that seems uh, to stem from, you know, your re- previous relationship with Jonathan. Now, in, in 03, while you were still in Orgy, you and Amir started Julian K. Can you tell me how that came together? How that you guys decided to do that? Yeah, I mean, we had a situation that's similar to what, you know, Edema was dealing with. We had a singer that wasn't showing up to the studio, you know, wasn't showing up to work, wasn't, you know, making meetings. We, it was just completely MIA doing his doing, you know, dealing with his own shit. And we were continually in the studio still as orgy writing songs, you know, and wishing that we had a singer, (laughs) you know, here we are a multi-platinum band, multi-platinum band that has the world at our fingertips. And we couldn't get the guy to just show up and do the thing that we do that makes tons of money. And um, that was extremely frustrating. So Amir and I, you know, as, as the band, you know, the band just kind of, you know, a year or two past of us just showing up and writing music with no one there to finish the band. Amir and I just kind of, you know, we slowly just decided that we weren't going to waste money in the studio anymore as, as orgy. And we all kind of stopped going to the studio and stopped, you know, stopped spending all this money for these nice studios, all this kind of stuff. And Amir and I just started building our own studios at home and recording, continuing to record. And I think that we never thought that it would be Julian K. I think that we just kind of figured we'd keep writing music and maybe when Jay decided he wanted to do Orgy, we could, you know, be able to do that again. And uh, Chester Bennington, you know, my my best friend and Amir and I's, you know, closest buddy was really encouraging me. He heard the music and he was just like, dude, you know, you need to be the singer. You're not going to find another singer and Jay is not going to come around like he's just, you know, it's been a couple of years. He's like, you just need to sing on this. And I fought it for a long time because I didn't think I wanted to be the lead singer. And we were looking for singers. And, and then we thought maybe Julian K could be like a DJ situation where me and Amir could do original music and we could DJ. And um, and there was some experimentation in that. But what ended up happening was 
I sang on a song for a Sega hired us to do some Sonic the Hedgehog music. And, you know, it paid well and everything. And we were just like, oh, let's just see what happens. You know, I'll just sing this like story idea that they gave me. And so I wrote lyrics to the story and we didn't intend for it to be anything. You know, it was just going to be in the video game. But it sounded, even though it was kind of like not exactly me, you know, it did sound like an actual singer. You know, it sounded like a lead singer. And so we kept going and we wrote Sunday Soon and a couple other tracks um, that were that really sounded like something. And we started getting label offers and we're like, oh, fuck, you know, here we go. We're like not even a band. And we kind of kept writing and messing with it. And Chester kept encouraging, encouraging me and guiding me vocally. And around the same time as we started to really flesh out what was becoming Julian Kay, we ended up forming Dead by Sunrise with Chester, which is essentially Julian Kay, you know, with him singing right. and with him being the main writer. So during this, you know, summer, you know, years and years ago, we all lived together at my house. Chester lived here. Um, you know, everyone lived here and Amir lived one block over because he bought a house next to mine. And we recorded both albums and wrote both albums. And that's kind of how you have this like kind of brotherhood and kind of working, you know, friendship and relationship with Chester and Dead by Sunrise and Julian Kay and all that good stuff. And and it just became, you know, Lincoln Park ended up taking us out on Project Revolution. So that was very real. We were on the main stage and um, it connected. You know, we made a bunch of fans. And then after that, we got Evanescence. And then after that, we so it was a bunch of stuff, you know, just started happening. And and lo and behold, years later, we were like, wow, I mean, I'm the singer of a completely new band. And that's kind of how it started. Okay, so in between starting Julian K and, and all that, you guys did release another orgy record, Punk Static Paranoia, and then went on hiatus in 05. The question I was going to ask is, what was the cause? Uh, is it safe to assume, based on what you said before, that it was just Jay not wanting to do the thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were all down to do it. I mean, we would have kept it. Album. That album was really not a great representation of orgy. You know, Jay really wanted to to do heavy music and screaming and Amir and I really wanted to double down on the, uh, you know, what we thought was the core sound of orgy. And, and now you get another glimpse into what created Julian K because we wanted to accentuate the Depeche mode and accentuate the electro. And um, Jay wanted to go way more corn and heavier and all this kind of stuff. And we were like, yeah, I just don't feel like that's the right move, you know, right. but regardless, we kind of tried and that and that's where you get punk static paranoia, just this kind of schizophrenic, you know, kind of not, in my opinion, not a great interpretation of, or, of orgy um, because the stuff we wanted, the band wanted to do was was we really wanted to do core orgy, you know, and if if orgy ever did if we ever got back together again, which is impossible at this point, but I would always recommend you go back to album one and rediscover what it was that made that amazing. And obviously you can make things newer and you know do modern interpretations, but you've got to keep your core elements. And, and that's the same thing I told Adima. I was like, you guys have to listen to album one and two. You know, live, we're gonna play albums one and two because we're going to let the fans know that we remember why you like the band. So I understand there's been other singers. I understand that there's other albums. I understand there's other good songs, but I don't really give a fuck. We, <laughs> we have to do the things that put you guys on the map. You have to reassure everyone that I can sing them the right way 
and that and that edema is still edema. And then with the new edema songs, Ready to Die, Violent Principles, and the ones that people haven't heard, you know, they they there's a deep focus on album one and two and um, Bakersfield and what made the band the band in the first place and what sounds and stuff were they using that gave it that signature. And so I pushed them and pushed them and pushed them to think like that. And that's how we got these two singles that work so well. So that kind of ties into two other things that I was going to ask you. I'll ask the the edema one first. You already kind of answered that it is, you know, that you guys are really focusing on the the original stuff, the sort of the Mark era of the band plus plus the new stuff. I noticed that the the third album, Planets, uh, that is available on Spotify, but the Kill the Headlights and Topple the Giants are not available. Uh, is that intentional? Is that label stuff? Is there a reason that stuff isn't out there? It's label stuff. Um, the guys have been through you know, loads of different, different scenarios and different types of label things. And I think it's just, I think the house is a mess. And, and part of my job has been, you know, coming in and cleaning up a lot of it, but some of that stuff I don't own and I wasn't part of. So it's not, not really anything I can do a lot about, you know, from a label perspective, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous that it isn't there, <laughs> you know, but um, it is what it is. You know, I, I, I don't I don't know what I can do about it. I know that it would be great if it was there. It'd be good for the band. But those are two different labels with two different scenarios. And I, I honestly, I do not understand why they're not up because it doesn't help the label. Right. It's just shoddy business. And and now you kind of, you know, it leads into why we haven't signed a label deal right now. It's not because we haven't got offers. It's because when you do this, the next, you know, 13, 14 songs that we write is they're it's going to be owned 100% by a company that we don't have any control over. And right now the songs we've released, we have 100% control over them. And we've gotten them playlisted on major playlists. We've done everything like a major label does. My small little label has gotten done. And you're never going to have a situation where it's not going to show up places. You're never going to have a situation where, you know, I can't make a phone call and fix something. You know, you're never going to have a situation where the fans are wondering what the fuck is happening with this stuff. You know, it's really fucking annoying. You know, there's no nobody I can call. Hey, why aren't these things up on Spotify? Oh, oops. You know, it's 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 honestly it's fucking ridiculous. And I'm not going to sign a deal with anyone that doesn't allow me to, you know, fix these issues that, you know, that isn't going to help us do things that we can't do on our own, you know, um, and a lot of these labels right now, they're not offering deals like that. They're basically offering you a little bit of money. They own your music in perpetuity and they promise you nothing. And my answer to that is fuck no, <laughs> no, no, thank you, you know? So you're going to give me what 40 grand, 30 grand to do an album. Well, I've got 30 grand, 40 grand. So thanks. Thanks a lot. I mean, I'd prefer not to spend it on an album, but so I've already got that covered. Um, so what else are you going to do? You're going to own our shit forever in return for what? Are you going to get us on like some major festivals all over the world in the next two years? Oh, no, you're not going to promise that or even try. Okay. Um, are you going to do some incredible marketing spends that I couldn't do on my own? Oh, no, we're not going to put that in writing. Ah, okay, well, fuck you. Are you going to, uh, you know, I, I don't know, are you going to like tour support the band so we can get over to Europe without, you know, spending, you know, 17 grand just on the flights? Oh, you're not? Oh, okay. Well, fuck you. What are you going to do then? You know, so th these are the things that, 
that bands need to ask themselves when they're looking for record deals and trying to figure out what they're going to do. You know, if not, you should just do a deal with like a company like Framework, you know, where we're not going to take everything in perpetuity. We're also not going to loan you a bunch of money. But, um, you know, but we do have a system that helps you, you know, get the music out and deal with it and promote it. You know, so when I joined the band, it was initially thinking, you know, we would get a big deal because the band, you know, it sold a million albums. So they're in the running to get deals. And the idea was when Ryan joins, you know, we're going to get this stuff to happen. Well, that it indeed we got the offers, but I'm looking at all of them and I'm just going like, guys, you know, look what we're doing on our own. I just don't know if I can. I don't know if I can sign this. I just don't know if I can do this, you know, and that's kind of how we are, you know, brings us back around to where we are now, you know, doing things on our own and just, you know, making sure we don't have a situation like they've had with, you know, Kill the Headlights and, you know, Topple the Giants, where these albums are just MIA. Like what? What in the actual fuck? All right. And then the other thing that we were that sort of branched to that previous question, uh, and it's sort of the last the last thing about about orgies. So in 2012. Jay brought Orgy back with an all all new lineup. He said he was doing so because the rest of the band members were quote too busy with other projects. You and Amir released a, a responses at the time that strongly refuted that claim. It's been ten years now. I, I know you said uh, before that uh, you don't you don't think that the, the chances are are high of of ever getting back together with that original lineup. And I kind of feel like maybe the feeling may be mutual on the other side. I had Jay on the show a couple of years ago, and he, he said he thought the new lineup was better. Unfortunately, the fans don't agree. Right. No I one, mean, no, one, don't, no one's buying tickets. So people vote with their wallets and their attendance. So, you know, that that's the problem. Unfortunately, yeah. fans don't don't really agree. Right. Know? I mean, I will say I've seen them a couple times with the new lineup. It was good to see them live because I had never seen the band before. You know, you guys yeah. actually played the same festival. We, we were at the dark side of the con. You you guys played Friday. Orgy played Sunday. Yeah. They put on a good show. but. Unfortunately, you still haven't seen the band. Right, right. It's nothing like wait, wait. Yeah, experience what the what the actual band was, and it's a whole different world. Trust right. me. But yeah, I mean, they can play shows where there's a bunch of fans already there. That works, but their shows on their own aren't aren't working. Right. That's so. Right. I did know. notice. Uh, not to you know pile on or whatever but i did notice like they before when they had announced they were doing the dark side of the con they had announced a tour and um september morning who was also at dark side of the con was supposed to be touring with them and then i noticed that like they were still at dark side of the they were still at dark side of the con but like none of those other tour dates seemed to materialize and all the announcements about them disappeared from the internet correct now now you know what i'm saying so that's the problem you know um it, it, the fans aren't agreeing, unfortunately, and yeah. that's that's why it's it's far less likely that you know there could be some sort of a reunion. Is a J doesn't like the the original band, and B the brand's been diminished significantly. So unfortunately, now there's not ticket sales to go with it. There used to be sellout shows, you know, back to back to back to back. But now there's, you know, tours announced and disappearing and European tours announced and disappearing. And there's a reason why. And so that that's that's pretty deadly, you know, right. for a brand, you know. So I, I can't I wouldn't want to get into that situation. 
you know, right now we're in a situation with Julian K and Edema where, you know, we announce shows and we go do them and people come. And, um, you know, they're, you know, every show is not perfect and amazing, but, you know, Julian K and Birthday Massacre just did a run where we sold out 50% of the dates. I mean, that's really, really good. Um, most of the dates for the uh, New Metal uh, uh, Ref, uh, Madness, Madness sold well. And um, we're on a good path. And, and it's important that when you, you announce dates and shit that you, you have to go do them. You can't do that. <laughs> you know, right. this is, it's not a business where you can do that kind of stuff. Now, as far as Julian K, it seems like you guys have been pretty uh, prolific in the music that you've released. When I looked you guys up on on Spotify, uh, which it's so weird for me to even say that sentence, just because I was always I've always been sort of you know anybody that knows me and it listens to the show, you know, I'm always about buying the music and not really about streaming. And you know, Charlie, uh, who you met with me at Dingbats, had said to me, "Listen, like you might not like it, but it is what it is. Like you can either." you know help the band you know because clicks on clicks and plays on spotify and saving and shit is what helps the bands these days so you can if you if your mission is to help the bands you can you can like shut the fuck up about the fact that you don't like it and just do it because it's going to help in some way so it's weird for me to even say yeah i was looking on spotify but i was looking on spotify and you guys seem to have a lot of stuff on there uh julian k i was just wondering how, if at all, the process of making the Julian K music, the creative process, differed from making the Orgy music? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it is. We actually write in very much the same way, but we're not dysfunctional. You know, we 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 know what we want to do. We know that we've got to put music out. We know that we need to stay on brand. We know that not putting music out and and just kind of, you know, just coasting is not an option. So, you know, the band is pretty is pretty unified in that regard, whereas, you know, with Orgy, you know, it, definitely that was not really a thought <laughs> that was not, you know, it was very frustrating for us. The issue with Julian K at this point is we're so fucking busy, you know, between touring, between me now being in edema, you know, Amir's, you know, pretty, pretty busy producer and mixer. And we still do Julian K. You know, I, I own at one point owned five restaurants as well it's a fucking crazy life um that's that's why we we refuted you know we were doing dead by sunrise julian k five restaurants and we put out seven albums and i was like yeah we have time we can do we can do orgy you know we can we can do the biggest one you know what i mean um, when when you have a chance to get the original band back together that's like you put everything else on hold you know you just go yeah we'll go do that because that pays 20 times more you right. know but it's just a, a ridiculous idea so yeah you know julian k I, I would say for a long time we didn't really know how to release our music properly we didn't really know how to you know when you have the amount of material that we have you know we put out a four disc kind of special thing called time capsule and we we created it crowdfunded it on indiegogo which we do a lot of our our campaigns like that We've we've raised like $150,000 directly from our fans, which is bigger than any modern record deal. You know, once it once we were done with it, we would just put it out the whole thing. And we've learned now that that is, you know, being a label now and, and releasing things the way we release them now. We've learned that that's the fucking dumbest thing you can possibly do. And honestly, sometimes I want to pull all the music back down and re-release it the right way. And the right way 
is you need to be releasing music regularly and releasing singles. You can still release an album, but you need to release a series of singles first. You need to you know keep the momentum going, capture the algorithms of all the streamers, and then you you can you can create a variety of different release packages. So you can actually create physical albums, you know, vinyl. You can have a full album with all the artwork and all that kind of crap. But you can also you know piece out the releases for a while and actually play off the fact that modern streaming, modern music, the modern music world works differently. And if you don't catch on to that, then you can have fun, you know, imagining things are different than they are, but they aren't, (laughs) you know, you have to understand that this is the way things are working now. And you have to look at the parameters, look at the, the way things work and then figure out how you can do what you want to do within that and how you can play it how you can stretch it and fuck with it and make it exciting but the the game has always been and this is something that that orgy had for a little while when we had a whole label behind us and we had management kind of pushing it and the band was kind of firing on all cylinders for a little bit but once changes started to occur and you know different people started kind of really trying to push exercise power and all that kind of stuff in the and and management kind of left and all that kind of stuff you can see it just kind of ground to a halt well what we've learned is that it's about being a storyteller you have to take your fans on a compelling and authentic journey edema has to do it julian k has to do it we all have to do this and you have to figure out what that means for you and to tell a story you know you don't read a couple pages and then close the book for a fucking year and a half you, you, you don't do that. You fucking keep going and you have to keep telling the story. With today's capability, that means you use video, you use digital, you know, photography and graphics, you use posts, you use forms of blogging, you use albums, you use singles. You know what I mean? So we are capable of creating videos that are really good on our own. We can create albums, we can create singles, we have a team that can do art and all that kind of stuff. So it's up to us to continue to tell the story and continue to move this thing forward. And you have to take people on a journey. And if you don't do that, you know, sorry. Fair enough. So that kind of ties us into another question. It's sort of a signature question that I I ask anybody that's on the show. Um, You've touched on it a bit for sure. But how do you feel about the current state of where the music industry is you know, where where streaming is sort of the dominant way that people consume music. Nobody really buys music anymore. You know, there's still illegal downloading happening, although probably not as much as as there used to be because of the streaming. I mean, everyone says that they don't have to pay for the music because, well, bands make all their money playing shows anyway. Yeah, I think it's a net positive, to be honest with you. The only way it used to work in the old way was if you sign a major record deal and a label worked your 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 stuff, you know, Today, the idea of making the money that like an orgy made and stuff is is not as likely for sure. But if you're intelligent and you understand how to use all the tools that you have now, I really think you can do a lot of the stuff on your own. And it's it's a big deal for me to say that because it's it's I've been, you know, I drank from the fountain of the old way. You know, I get what it's like. You know, I, I've been there. I know what it's like to get like a million dollars. I understand what that is, you know. Um, you know, I get what it's like to to split a million dollars up five ways. You know, I, it's pretty cool. Um, 
right. you know, it, it, you can do so much now and there's so much at your fingertips. And if you're crafty, if you're intelligent and you really understand what it is to be an artist and you understand that you have to figure out ways to connect with people, you can really use what's available now to create a life for yourself as an artist. It's not easy, but it was never easy. So I think it is what it is. You know, there's there's things that obviously worked for me in the old system. I would say that it's probably things that didn't work more than it worked, you know, for other people. I mean, I know a lot of people who signed to major labels and labels just shelved the music. They right. literally just said, oh, this is just not, you know, I mean, good bands, cool bands, you know, and that happens. It well, still happens. That's it was like that's happening now with like if, I'm sure you saw the thing with with Warner Brothers just saying nope we're not going to put out that Batgirl movie that's done right. So if you do things on your own, you know that's definitely not going to happen. Now granted, you know you you have to figure a lot of shit out, but you know I'm I'm not as understanding of that because you know we we came from you know a situation that was the literal old world you know we were extremely successful mtv radio artists and you know we kind of had it all crumble you know for a lot of reasons and yeah i'm still that guy we still have fans and and i'm grateful for that but we had to go back in and figure out how in the fuck do you rebuild this from nothing and to this day we have to sit down and get on YouTube and watch how to do things. We have to, you know, something new happens and we have to dive in and figure out how it works. And we have to go make mistakes and we have to do things that we regret and we have to do things that are successful. You know, you have to fucking figure it out and you have to be honest with yourself. And, you know, there's a lot of bands that are just straight up delusional. You know, I meet them all the time, you know, and they're doing music and they 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 wish they had this. They wish they had that. But some of the stuff they're doing just isn't very cool or it's not whatever. you got to figure out what's going to resonate. You know, otherwise it's a hobby. And right. some people don't want to hear that. We figured out a way that that works for us where we make music that our fans like that we also like. So that's the way that I figure it out. I go, what makes our fans really happy that also makes us happy? Now, there's also music that we would like to make that no one would give a shit about. <laughs> but, you know, we're not doing that. And But there, there's a lot of, you know, bands out there that are making music that no one gives a shit about. So you've got to figure that out. You know what I mean? You've got to figure that out. That's a big deal. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Now, I wanted to just circle back real quick you mentioned Dead by Sunrise, which was, you know, your, your Julian K plus Chester Bennington. You guys put out the album Out of Ashes in 2009. And I'd seen in interviews where Chester had said he could see, you know, that it wasn't supposed to be a, a one off thing and, and, and releasing new music every five years or so. Um, but nothing ever, no, nothing else came out before, you know, he took his own life in 2017. Were there any moves between like 2010 and 2017 to try and get that band back together and do more? Yeah. Um, we talked about it often. And in fact, my last conversation with Chester, we were talking about it. Um, and he was, you know, in the mode of like, let's do this. But the thing is, you know, we always knew from the beginning that Chester's in Lincoln park, right. you know, it's one of the biggest bands in the world. If not, arguably like one of the top 10 and um we all knew that you know that's you know that's got to happen we can't do dead by sunrise at the cost of lp right you know? in addition 
you know, we're we're in our own touring entity. You know, we had our own thing going too, and that's what we always imagined would work really well about Dead by Sunrise is that you didn't have these, you know, four guys that were just, you know, hey Chester, we need to make money. You know, you gotta don't do this LP tour because we need to go out with Dead by Sunrise because we all need to make a hundred grand, you know, or whatever it is. You know, we're not up his ass doing that. What we're doing is saying, hey, when we have time in between, you know, because Lincoln Park has to take a break sometime. Well, Julian K has to take a break sometime. And that would be the time where we get together and we do Dead by Sunrise or he does Great A's or he does, you know, the different stuff that he liked to do. He had a big appetite, you know, and he actually really wanted to do rock music. And that's that's kind of why we did Dead by Sunrise, because he had songs that just weren't working with the direction that Linkin Park was going. Right. we, we were like, well, we think they're really good songs. Why don't, why don't we help you do them? And he was super happy about that. So that's what it was about. And it was also about friendship, you know, and being together and doing music with, you know, some guys that, you know, we were both fans of each other's bands. We were fans of each other's work. He was a huge Orgy fan. He was a huge Julian K fan. And we're, you know, obviously huge Linkin Park fans. So, and in huge fans of Chester, just his singing, his voice, and he was fans of like our songwriting, guitar playing, my singing. So it was just a chance to do stuff with the people that you really dig. You know, the fact that the album actually sold hundreds of thousands of copies and, you know, we got to play all over the world. Like that was all super cool stuff. But, you know, initially it wasn't really about that. Yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed that record. And I will say that, like, it was great to hear like, you know, be, being a fan of like the earlier Lincoln Park and then not being as much of a fan of, of where they went, you know, save for for one album, you know, their second to last album. And it was cool to hear him kind of getting back to that. You know, I can say the yeah. same thing about when he did after after he passed a song came out that he had done with Mark Morton from Lamb of God for Mark's solo record. And that was such a good fucking song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he's fucking amazing and and that's the way we felt too is that we want him to be able to express you know all the different sides that he feels like he has inside of him and he's he's such a an incredible singer he really could do he could do the stuff with us and then walk right into a lincoln park session and do lincoln park and walk right out of there and do you know that that stuff he did with you know with 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 mark and he's just that incredible and he's got all that you know he had all that in his in his throat, in his chest, he just had the ability to do that. And it wasn't that, it wasn't that difficult for him. You know, he wanted to sing every day, <laughs> you know, right, right. whereas with me, I can tell you, like, I get worn the fuck out, you know, like I don't want to sing every day, you know, after an edema tour, I feel like someone, you know, fed me crushed glass, you know, yeah. and that's, that's, I'm probably a little bit more of a normal singer. Chester's a fucking mutant. <laughs> you know, he was incredible. And I used to tell him it was really funny because he's also the cutest, sweetest, most incredible dude ever and the best friend that I could have ever asked for. You know, he um, we would call him, you know, remember Unbreakable, the M. Night Shyamalan movie? Yeah, yeah. But there's Mr. Glass. <laughs> and we would call him Mr. Glass because we're like, you're like this mutant throat. Like that's your superpower. And this motherfucker would trip on a Lego and like miss shows in China because he fucking hurt his back or he would go to try to shoot a hoop and break his ankle 
or like, I mean, it's just, he would walk out. I remember he went out after dead by sunrise. He went out on tour with Lincoln park and they had the big set and these stairs. And the first show he goes to walk down the stairs and falls down and breaks his wrist. (laughs) And he called me, he's like, dude, I fucking broke my wrist. And I'm like, Oh my God. On the first song, he's all yes. And, and I go, what did you do? He's all, I I finished the show. And I'm like, God, you are just a fucking goober. Like, (laughs) like your voice is fine. You made it through and you broke your goddamn wrist. Like you're just a ding dong. And it's just so funny. And that's just total Chester. I mean, it's just, (laughs) it's so funny. (laughs) So speaking of, uh, speaking of injuries, how's your leg? I know after the the dingbat show, you were, you were limping around a bit. You know, it's fine. I have a lot of injuries from all sorts of shit. I have a lot of, I'm an alcoholic and I used to, you know, I drank every day for, you know, probably 20 fucking years and I would drink every now and then on stage and I'm a super physical performer. And when I'm not on tour, I train with a, you know, pr- private trainer and I train jujitsu as well. And I do a lot of shit, you know, and I'm a physical person. And, you know, when you're, when you're on stage drunk every night, you know, crushing it, you know, you do everything you can do. I've, I've broken both my heels, broke both my feet on stage. I've broken, I mean, at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Just from like jumping and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I came home from tour and had to wear you know, moon boots for fucking months. It was a nightmare. And, um, I tore my meniscus, my knee. I've done a lot. <laughs> I've gotten in fights and broken my entire face plate. So I have trouble breathing. I've broken my fingers. I've broken my fucking ribs in jujitsu. I've broken my fucking, I I'm just, a, I'm just a, I've got every, I've earned every mile, you know, and it, it's just some, some days, you know, I'm, I'm sober now and I, and I probably even more physical than ever on stage. And, um, I just walk off sometimes almost unable to walk, you know, it's just so hard. And again, when you're in a dingback, dingback situation and there isn't a place to sit down, you know, you just, unfortunately, everyone can see that the damage is there, you know? So, you know, the stuff that's going on with my knee and the stuff that's going on with my back and things like that are, you know, they're just chronic, you know, progressive injuries and stuff that are going to be a problem, you know, because I, I just, I have to make the performances physical. I just think it's how you participate with the, with the audience. You know what I mean? I see singers go up there and, you know, essentially just stand there and sing. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's cute. You know, (laughs) you can, you can sing. I mean, that's cool. But can you sing and burn 800 calories at the same time? that's a whole other deal. And that's where you look at the Chesters and the Jonathans or the me or the, you know, the guys that are up there bringing it for the entire fucking show. And you go, wow, you know, that's professional athletics. And, you know, any basketball player, football player, lead singer, you know, from Mick Jagger on down to a Chester Bennington, to a Ryan Shuck, to a Jonathan Davis, there is a, there is a price, you know, I, I just, I just decided, you know, I'm here to use my my gifts and that's what it looks like. So that's the price. <laughs> I'm right. going to hurt. I'm going to live. And then when I get home, I'm going to try to work it out. So, so far, Adima has released two new singles uh, since you've joined the band. Uh, you know, we talked a bit about how the, you know, the sort of uh, approach to music has changed a bit. So where is this going as far as is there going to be are you guys going to keep doing singles? Is there plans for an EP or a full album at some point? 
Yeah, there's here's what we're going to do. We we tested the, you know, the market. God, I sound like a like a fucking record label or a business guy. Yeah. Funny enough, weirdly enough, like if I couldn't sing, I probably would just be a business owner because, you know, that's probably what I'm the best at. But unfortunately, I'm cursed with the music bug. So <laughs> I, I put myself in all these situations where I destroy my body and get in front of people and risk embarrassing myself. But uh, yeah, so what we did was we worked really, really hard to try to get some songs we thought really were what people, what represents the band, what we're excited about, and what the fans we think would be excited about. And we tested the market a bit by releasing Ready to Die. Well, the song was essentially for like an indie band, it was a hit. You know, we it just every single metric over, it just overperformed. And we did a full video and we kind of showed what I look like with the band, how I actually sound, like you can really hear my voice. You know, I, I, I did some like full on screams that I think a lot of people done, didn't know that I could do. Um, well, of course I can do it. I just choose, I just did different music with my career because I wanted to be different. <laughs> right. But put in that format, of course I can do all that shit. And so I think that it really excited fans because they got to hear a different side of me. They got to hear edema the way it should be. And then we um, we took a chance and we went out and you know, we kept going back and forth with songs and we released Violent Principle, which is more melodic. You know, it's definitely more along the lines of it's a lot more of me meets edema. It's a lot more of giving in. It's a lot more of like their melodic kind of hits. Well, that did better than anything. And that gave me the. Uh, the confidence to just say, look, I think I know what I'm doing. I think, I think the fans like what we're doing together. And now I think I know the path to creating an album and doing more singles. So the idea now is because we're not going to sign a record deal, we're going to crowdfund the album. So, um, Hey buddy, I'm doing an interview. So you got to stop barking. <laughs> there's a, there's a cute cat. There's a, there's a Sphinx hairless cat that cruises through my yard. His name's Tom Riddle. And he's super cute and he just comes in my house and hangs out with me, but him and Wolf are buddies. So they bark at each other. Okay. Um, so the, the idea is um, we're going to do what, what Julian Kay has done and we're going to crowdfund the album. So we're going, we have some more singles that are ready, but I think I'm going to save them for when the, when we, when we drop the Indiegogo campaign and um, we're going to see how it does. I think that Adiva fans will come to the table and help us make this album. And if I'm wrong, then, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I think I'm right. I think I'm right. I think if the band follows my prescription that we've used in Julian K, which is sort of like opposite of the orgy model that they're doing right now and opposite what all these bands are doing, and that's authenticity, being true to the brand, being true to the music that made people love the band and delivering on that. And also making sure that when people spend the money, they get a product. Right. Not not in four years like they They start getting new good music. You know what I mean? So that's what we've been doing in Julian K. And I think that that's what we're going to do in Edema. And then we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see if we do really well. If we do really well, then an album will be forthcoming. If we don't do really well, then it'll just take us longer because we're going to have to figure out how to play and make the money and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's a good plan. Um, there will definitely be some more singles. But at some point here, the band is going to get together and finish the album. The album is called 360 Degrees of Separation. There's actually already an album design, a cover. There's a whole concept behind it. 
And the two singles that are out right now will be on the album, and they are indicative of the way the music will sound. All right. And then just the last thing that I've got to ask you is, so far this year I've seen you live with, with both Julian Kay and Edema. What is like immediately next for you? Is there more touring, more music, something else with some other band or venture that we haven't mentioned at all yet? I think that the, the pressing issue for me is to finish the Indiegogo campaign for Edema. Both Adima and Julian Kay have dates coming up. Um, Adima has a date, a one-off at a festival in Illinois uh, on the 19th. We have another date here in California, another festival in September. Julian Kay has some, I think it would be announced by the by next week if we decide we can do it. Um, there's there's a, a collection of dates that are on the kind of like Texas over to the West Coast. And then in between that, the bands really need to record music. So that that alone is a lot of stuff. I mean, that's a lot of work. Well, uh, you know, I can't wait to to see all of it. I look forward to all of it. I, I hope to to see you on the road again. Uh, it was it was great to see you know Julian Kay for the first time this year at the the dark side of the con. Uh, they just announced the dates for next year's festival as well as their new name, which is the Dark Force Fest. I don't know if you guys are, are looking into playing that again, but I'd love to see it. I think I think we would. I, I we did really well at that festival. I mean, I think that people were pretty like, you know, oh wow, you know, because we bring our own production and everything, and I think it's definitely, you know, us and Birthday Massacre kind of dropped a bomb. I would think they would invite us back, but we'll see. Yeah, I know that they like I said they just made all of the sort of just preliminary announcements of, hey, the tickets are on sale. Hey, the hotels are on sale. Hey, here's our new name. Uh, you know, and here's applications for vendors and bands if you're interested in, in being involved. But they haven't actually announced any of the bands yet. I guess they said that they've signed some, but haven't haven't made any of those announcements yet. But looking forward to it. I had a lot of fun last time. I did, too. I thought it was awesome. It was a super fun, fun thing to do. And uh, that was that was where you and I got to got to first meet. So that uh, made it extra special. Awesome. So, but uh, all right, man, uh, that's all I've got for you. I want to thank you for your time and thanks for being on the show. Thank you, brother. Uh, uh, great to finally do it. And I uh, appreciate your time. And um, I can't wait to see you again. Yeah, man, for sure. You'll you'll see me out there. I, I uh, That's how I spend up any of my free time is going to shows because like i said i'm i do this because i want to i want to support the scene i want to help people discover stuff that they might not be aware of uh, give people the backstory if they give a shit to hear it you know this is why i do what i do i'm not a musician myself but i have such a love for the art form you know that i want to help support in any way i can awesome Watch me come down
and that song was Julian K. featuring The Annex with Desperation Day. I want to thank Ryan for being on the show. If you want to follow him and his projects on social media, you can follow Adema on Facebook at Official Adema, on Twitter at Adema Official, and on Instagram at Adema Music. You can follow Julian K. on Facebook and Twitter at Julian K., and on Instagram at Julian K. Official. And if you want to follow Ryan directly, you can follow his Instagram at The Real Ryan Shuck. You can also follow J Bunny's Music Hub on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search J Bunny's Music Hub. Uh, don't forget, we also now have a we have a TikTok. <laughs> haven't done a whole lot with that. Like I said, I'm kind of leaving that up to Charlie. I, I keep saying I feel like I'm a bit old and leaving the TikTok into the youth. Charlie is the youth, uh, so hopefully we'll get some more stuff on there. And don't forget, also guys, J Bunny's Music Hub also has a Patreon. If you are so inclined to subscribe, just look for J Bunny's Music Hub on Patreon. And also don't forget, if you believe in supporting music the way that I do by buying it, don't forget to tweet or post your music purchases to at industry embers with the hashtag buy music b-u-y or it's buy music b-y-e now as for what's next for the show uh, i do have one more interview that is booked and should be recording that in a couple weeks i've got a couple of emails out for things i'm looking to book emails into me as always uh things looking to be booked so as always lots going on and just trying to squeeze it all in with life seemingly becoming busier who'd have thought that you know buying a fucking house would would end up taking up so much of your goddamn time but like i tell you guys all the time uh i'm I'm not gonna i'm not gonna let this die i'm gonna do it as i have the ability to do so so keep your eyes and ears out hopefully there will be more involvement from charlie in the future i do believe that they will be joining me for the next episode so like i said keep your eyes and ears out for that if you liked the episodes that we did uh the roundtable episodes and i think that that is about all that i've got for you guys today i'm going to leave you with the latest standalone single from edema featuring ryan as their new vocalist this is violent principles until next time guys (laughs) 